Welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast that attempts to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Hi, everyone listening. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you all staying strong, vibrant, and loving during this very challenging time we are all going through here on earth. Before I jump into the podcast today, I just want to let you know I am now teaching live stream Zoom classes online four times a week. If you would like to practice with me, please email me at walkingdharma at gmail.com. That's Dharma with an H, just like the name of the podcast. And I will send you registration info. Anyway, today's podcast is called How to Actually Surrender. And it's based on the yogic niyama or ethical observance of Ishvara Pranidhana. And Ishvara Pranidhana means surrender to God. And Yoga Sutra 245 says, By total surrender to God, samadhi is attained. By total surrender to God, samadhi is attained. So, first things first, the word samadhi means absorption. Or it's also defined as contemplation or coming to a superconscious state. So, a somewhat enlightened state where you start to become one with everything around you and the veils of separation diminish. So you are able to feel the undivided wholeness of all of existence. So sometimes the word samadhi can be used as a synonym for the word enlightenment, or rather enlightenment is an English translation of the word samadhi, or a total absorption with the divine. So when the sutra says, by total surrender to God, samadhi is attained, it's saying that you don't need to go through this huge process of, you know, take this step and then you'll be a little bit more awake. And then take the next step and you'll be a little more awake and and keep going in that direction and eventually you'll wake up. No, the sutra is saying, do this one thing. If you can find total, complete, utter, devoted surrender to what you deem to be the higher power, then enlightenment is instantaneous. It doesn't have to take 50 years or 50 lifetimes. Rather, it comes right away. And the way it comes is through our ability to let go of all attachment, to let go of ownership, thinking we own anything we do, or that we even own ourselves, and to actually embrace that we are being owned. Or to embrace that there's a higher energy, a higher power that permeates us and which gives us animation, gives us life. It gives us movement in the world. It gives us the divine spark, right? And the recovering Catholic in me kind of winces at the word God. So the word God doesn't work for you. Um, Think of whatever you deem the higher power. It could be the divine, the universe, the void, Or fill in the blank, goddess, you know, I mean, you could just list it on and on, Allah, whatever it is for you. I think all of these archetypes are pointing at the same divine force. And the same divine force is said to be all pervasive, which means it is with all of us. It is within every animate and inanimate object. 
and it's it's the makeup, uh, the deepest cellular makeup or whatever creates the cellular makeup of the entire existence, not just this earth, but all earths, all universes. And so when the yogis say surrender to God, they're not talking about one single archetype, perhaps up in the sky or deep in our hearts. They're talking about surrender to the whole of what God is. Surrender to that within your beloved. Surrender to that within the person you dislike the most. Surrender to that within the food you eat and the open sky above you, the birds in the trees and the earth beneath you. And, and this is really what they mean by God. It's, it's not one singular being, but it's the divine force that resides in all beings. And whenever this idea was first presented to me, I had a really deep awakening with it because I realized that what I had thought of God and what I pushed against was actually very narrow-minded. It was like I was looking out of the window of a jail cell thinking that that was all that life was. And suddenly, when I realized that God could be in anyone, in everyone, and everything all the time, uh, the lid kind of blew off, and I saw the wide open sky in its full expanse. And, and this is really the invitation. When we talk about surrender, we're not talking about giving up. You know, I think the first thing that comes to most of our minds when we say surrender is that we've got to give something up. And in this case, it's not giving something up. Rather, it's letting go of the illusion that you ever had something in the first place. And kind of to skip uh, thought systems for a moment, in Buddhism, we call this groundlessness. And groundlessness is the realization that you never had any ground to cling to in the first place. And that the bottom is always falling out. What that means is that you're in a free, free fall with life. It's, it's not that you feel you're falling, but it's that we realize that everything is always changing and always fleeting. And therefore, you can't hang on to it. Because the minute you hang on to it is the minute you start suffering when it starts to leave your field, when it starts to dissolve into another form of existence. And so surrender and groundlessness are actually synonyms. It's, it's really a realization that we arrive at, that we don't need to claim or keep anything. Rather, whatever is meant to be with us is going to fly alongside us in our free fall for the time that it needs to be there kind of like our own medicine. It's going to be there until we no longer require it. And then a shift will occur. And I know for myself, when I look at life this way, I feel a lot of peace. You know, at first it was really scary to think there's nothing, any anything to cling to. I have to surrender. I don't even own this body. I can't even own what I say or what I teach or, or I can't own my partner or my family. They're all going to die one day you know it's a really scary thought but the more you sit with it you start to look at the alternative which is oh my gosh am I going to cling to everything for the rest of my life am I going to live my life in this rigid uh, prison of fear fear of change because that will equate to some things not being in my life anymore fear of letting go of the old to embrace the new I think a lot of us are going through that currently as we all go on shelter in place with the virus. Um, it's like, can we let go of these old ways of living? And, you know, it's in the past. Even what you did a month ago, right now it's in the past. And that's probably not true to your current paradigm. So how unattached can you be? 
How much can you surrender your ego, essentially, and your attachment to the current circumstances so you can embrace what, what needs to happen? You can embrace what is right in front of you, meaning you can be present and move from that place of presence. And even if it's not as palatable or the circumstances aren't as favorable as they might have been for you a month ago, can you still roll with it? And that's really the invitation is like, can you just roll with whatever arises? That doesn't necessarily mean give up, be docile, just lay over and bear your belly to the world and say, it's okay, I don't know what to do. That's not quite it, although that might be part of your process. Surrender on a deeper level is about embracing what is the process? What, what course of action do I need to receive right now? Notice, not what do I need to do, but what do I need to receive? And how do I let that energy flow through me into the form of action out in the world? So my own personal example is I have completely stopped all of my work because all of my work has to do with people. And it has immediately allowed me to transition all of my yoga teaching online. And at first I was really nervous about it. I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, how will this even work? But the truth is it works. And the truth is I'm able to bring together way more people than I was when I was just teaching in one location in person. So what initially created a lot of fear and trepidation for me now has translated into a huge source of encouragement. Like suddenly I'm able to transmute all the negativity into this new pursuit. And although sometimes that can be a little bit of spiritual bypass, like if we only focus on, okay, what do I do? How do I get things done? How do I keep moving? There can be a lot of ego in that I statement. Um, there's also a beautiful letting go that has to occur for us to embrace what needs to get done. And, and, and sometimes what needs to get done is nothing at all. Sometimes we need to actually simmer in the discomfort. Sometimes we need to simmer in these really awkward feeling times in our life where we really can feel the ground falling out beneath us. It's like day by day things change. And in that day-by-day-ness, if you will, it's like you, in some small way, some more than others, get to decide what you're going to do with your energy. Are you going to wallow, cling to the past? Because that's the opposite of surrender. That is literally trying to make things happen that cannot happen right now. And that's the definition of insanity, especially when we know it. Or do we, on the flip side, embrace the new circumstance? And although there's suffering in the world, and if you are suffering or have loved ones who are suffering, my heart goes out to you. Um, I know I have lost an old student of mine. She passed away last week. And it was shocking. And it hurts. And so I'm not without loss as well. Just to say that, it's not all roses in case that's the assumption that comes to mind. Um, it's just that, what can we do? You know, when things are beyond our control, what can we do? Do we agonize over it? Do we toxify our mind by apathy and stagnation? 
or do we simply allow ourselves to keep flowing through life? Because the truth is, minor tragedies happen all the time. How many of us have feelings of rejection come up on a consistent basis? How many of us struggle financially on a consistent basis? How many of us have unsettling emotions that are with us almost all the time? It's like most of us nodded yes to all of that. So if you put this in context, if you really look at it, how different is this? In a way, it's hugely different because it's like we're at a war with something that we can't even see. I will say that. But on some level, at the bare bones of it, it's really not that different. In fact, it's just amplified. So it's giving us this opportunity to take a look. Take a look at where we get uncomfortable. Take a look at where we resist. Take a look at our struggles. And instead of fight, instead of struggle anymore, we can bow to those things as teachers. We can see that these obstacles that are presented in our life are actually destinations. They actually are one of the main points of life because they let us know our depth. They let us know what we're really, really made of. They invite us to taste it, to feel it, to see it, and then to live it. And the truth is, surrender often comes when we are deeply challenged. And, and that's what's so beautiful about it is because surrender doesn't necessarily happen when everything's rosy. It's like, oh, my life is perfect. I got everything I wanted. I don't have any worries in the world. Look, I'm going to Bali on vacation. Oh, it's like, where's the surrender in that? Are you feeling the surrender when you do that? Maybe you are, but chances are you're not. Chances are the ego is just happy as a clam. And in that, there's no discomfort. There's no urge to step out of it. Rather, there's a complacency. There's a complacency to stew in it, right? To be like, oh, everything's great for me. Let me hang on to this. Let me deep down fear the day that this goes away. And, and this is why tribulation can be very helpful for enlightenment or awakening is because it forces us to get to the grit it forces us to feel the salt deep in our bones that we're made of and, and grind it out if we need. Face it, cry it out, thrash, practice, talk, be real, be more authentic than ever. Because what do we have to lose? And that's often what I think of when I think of surrender. It's like surrender means I realize there's nothing to lose because there's nothing to hang on to in the first place. And when you realize this, that's not yours. And, you know, it's, it's something higher. It's like you're giving yourself to, to the divine force. Saying, here life, here God, take me. And this is the thing. You already are there with that. But it's just the ego in the mind that get disillusioned and forget. So on the base level of your existence, you, we're already right with it. On the deepest level, we're in that divine support right? If that goes with you. Does that make sense? If not, think the deepest essence of me, my supreme spirit, what is its origin? What supports it? What upholds it? It's a source, right? Whatever you deem that name is, it's a source. 
And so at the, at the deepest level of our essence, we are one with source because source is what animates us. Source is what gives us life and strength and so on and so forth. But on the more superficial layers of our being, we forget. We get clouded. And, and with this, there's this illusion that we have some type of control. And that illusion that we control, that we manifest, that we call in, it's kind of a big cosmic joke. Because deep down, whatever vibrationally needs to move through us is already with us on a deeper level. So it's not about calling it in from some external place. It's about pulling it out of you. And that is a huge game changer when we can recognize this fully. No god in the sky is going to give you something that you don't have already. No goddess, no angel, no spirit guide. You have it. If you feel the call for it, there is a potential within you that is already starting to fulfill itself. You just got to water the seeds, baby. Just water the seeds. And how do you water them? You surrender. You surrender to that flowing through you. And, and if you want to amplify it, you invoke it. So when we say by total surrender to God, absorption is attained. Absorption with what? Absorption with source and your higher calling, your dharma in this lifetime. And we all have this opportunity right now to go that distance because even if you're working still, which I know I've been working six days a week still, and I'm sure so many of you have, especially all of my friends who are out there in the world still working as essential workers, my nurse friends, grocery store workers, everyone, gas station, homeless people selling newspapers on the side of the grocery line, like bless your hearts because this isn't an easy time to be out there. And so whatever scenario you're in, whether you're enjoying bubble baths every day, sipping mimosas, or you're grinding it out with a mask on your face with blood, sweat, and tears, this is an opportunity to see something deeper. And this is actually how do we surrender? How do we invite this sense of, okay, universe, God, divinity, please, Take me in your arms and show me the way. Or I, I let go. I realize every bit of work I do is for you. Every bit of strength that comes through me is from you. From who? From the divine or whatever you deem that is. And so this is all great in concept. It's like, okay, I just surrender, right? And, and what does that mean? Like for me, when I think of surrender, I think of doing a yoga practice with my teacher, Dharma Mitra, and we're holding our legs behind our head and it starts to become a little bit uncomfortable. What do I do? Is it my mind? If so, I hold the pose and I surrender to the sensation. I receive it and I, I check in with the emotional forecast that comes behind that wave of body weather. But if my body starts screaming at me, the other surrender is to know that even though I'm being told to hold the pose, I need to let it go. And in that case, the surrender is to follow that prompt and let it go. So surrender can mean continuing to stand strong and hold your effort. Or it can mean truly yielding to a higher input and following the call. It can be both at the same time as well. So surrender to God, 
also constitutes yielding to other people. Realizing that, you know, on a deeper level, we all are here to serve one another. And in knowing that, how we treat one person is essentially how, on some level, we are willing to treat anyone. So the other day, I was waiting in line at the grocery store, my favorite store here in Berkeley. It's like, I guess, the most, the busiest grocery store in the East Bay. And... It's been about like an hour and the line finally starts to move forward and the next place I get stationed up is next to this homeless man sitting on a milk crate about six feet from the line selling newspapers and of course no one's taking his newspapers people are just giving him dollars and so I'm the one that gets stationed right next to him in the line and so I look over at him and say hello he says hello and starts chatting with me And after a few minutes, he tells me that he has pneumonia. And then he does this big, long-winded wheeze to show me that his lungs are still totally infected. And, of course, gratefully, I had a mask on and everyone around me did. But I could see everyone in line just take, like, ten steps back from him as he said it. And much to my surprise, I just stood there and looked at him and said, I'm really sorry about that. I hope you feel better. And sometimes to the point where I was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't run away either. Um, But I didn't. And I really, I really felt in that moment, this surrender to the circumstance. It's like, okay, I'm standing next to this man. And although I'm grateful, I'm wearing a mask and gloves and everything fully covered. I really feel for him. And, you know, this is, this is what really practitioners are. Is like, we have the courage to sit with compassion with things that make us uncomfortable without running away and maybe not always right everyone it's not always that we're capable of doing it but it's as often as it can be and over time it becomes more consistent so you know 10 years ago I had a lot of fear around my health if I would have had that encounter with a pandemic going on I would have run away I would have probably gotten out of line or I would have tried to move up or move away Um, but much to my organic response I did not have that urge and after he said that ironically he got up and ran away not ran away but he 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 left the area and I realized it was like a little angel coming to test me how big is my compassion how how strong am I within myself to understand that this homeless man albeit not the most savory experience I've had, someone telling me they have pneumonia in a pandemic, waiting in a grocery line, um, I still was able to feel the divinity within him. Meaning I had compassion for him. I had mercy for him in loving kindness, in equanimity. And I think that we're all working on this on some level. I'm sure you can all think of an example, maybe even recently, where you thought, wow, I'm doing so much better than I used to. This is really the surrender, is just to be willing to grow, to be willing to see where our limitations are, and and to keep working on it. And this actually brings me to talking about the six paramitas. And although this is from Buddhism, it's highly applicable to the idea of Ishvara Pranidana, or surrender to God, okay? Because it's surrendering to a higher virtue or higher energy within you that we're all capable of having and cultivating more and more as time goes on 
Okay, so the word paramita means gone to the other shore. It also means without limit in Spanish. And I like both definitions. Um, the six paramitas are ways to take you from the shore of ignorance and ego and separation to the shore of samadhi, total absorption with the oneness of life. So enlightenment. And the paramitas can be seen like a life raft that aspiring practitioners, aspiring uh, uh, woke people, if you will, uh, can climb onto and it will safely allow you to move from the shore of separation to the shore of oneness. And this can apply for anyone, no matter the walk of life you are in. And the six paramitas are generosity, discipline, patience, enthusiasm, meditation, and prajna unconditional wisdom so generosity it means be willing to give be willing to serve others in whatever way you can and likewise be generous with yourself in whatever way you can be giving and and this doesn't mean like well i'm not a millionaire so i can't be generous because i need to hang on to every last dime i have indeed that mentality will only bring you less Rather, generosity is to say, you know, I can't give money at this time, but I can give a smile. I can give a kind word. I can hold the door, so to speak, metaphorically, for someone else, right? Discipline is another one. Discipline is the ability to self-regulate, if you will. It's the ability to tune into what serves you in, in knowing that to keep with it. So that might mean that if you have a really heavy caffeine addiction, for example, and you want to drink four cups of coffee in a day, just drink two. Because let's say those four cups of coffee lead you to feeling unwell and they give you a headache. And then you have to take Advil. And now your liver is being affected and your stomach lining. See what I mean? So discipline is about self-regulation. And a cup of coffee could be anything. It's about walking the middle path. So if you know that waking up at a certain time in the morning and, you know, drinking your drink you love makes you feel good and grounded, that's what you do. But if you know drinking that same drink you love four times a day makes you feel ungrounded and unwell, then you know you need to self-regulate. And this can be with anything. To me, discipline is kind of a synonym for saying walk the middle path. And in that, you're going to naturally feel more connected because you're not wavering through these manic extremes. Rather, you start to come to a midline, a center point within you. And when we are centered, it is easier to go deeper within and feel that more equanimous divine, divine origin place within us, right? To find the God within and keep bowing to it. It's like we can either live in a way that is all over the place or we can be centered. Discipline is the invitation to find balance. And remember that balance is not a static, stagnant thing. Rather, it's going to swing between extremes. But the more you cultivate discipline, the less radical those extremes will be. Right? So you start to come to a place where, where you're naturally inclined to be in alignment with what serves your health, and your highest expression of who you are. 
in your work, in your relationships, and in your creativity. Okay. Next one is patience. And patience totally connects with discipline because it's like we're going to slip from the ground game. This is a given. There's going to be points where we don't feel disciplined. I even know from myself, yesterday I literally got nothing done. Nothing. I was feeling a little bit tired and I literally slept all day long. And I started to get down on myself later in the day. Like, why didn't I get up and do this? Or I, you know, I had all these negative self-talk come in. And if I was really impatient, I might have forced myself to do it at night, even though I didn't feel that great. And then wound up more exhausted today. But instead, I just had patience for my process. And I let myself sleep, literally. I just ate whatever I wanted and I slept. And then today, I woke up feeling refreshed and I got back on my routine right? And this is, you know, patience with oneself. I think sometimes it's maybe easier to cultivate because we can be forgiving, right? Like, okay, it's all right. You know, you needed to rest. You needed to relax. But this also infers patience with each other as well. So go back to the story of the homeless man selling the newspapers by the grocery line. You know, it's like if we look at him with impatient eyes, I might have gone off on him and started yelling at him about why was he even around all of us and why wasn't he, you know, being more considerate or compassionate. But the truth is, it's like if we look deeply, we can understand why. If we have a patient mind, we even, you know, will have the capacity to look a little deeper than the surface. Obviously, he's sitting there because he desperately needs money. And selling newspapers is how he makes his money, right? Patience makes us more equanimous. It makes us able to see things in the long game rather than trying to strive for instant gratification, which is a product of greed, right? So patience is the opposite. It's like, it's like surrendering to the process rather than fighting against it. And this goes into the next thing, which is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is just about embracing life with vigor. And, and there's a surrender to this too, because we cannot always be enthusiastic. In fact, wouldn't that be annoying? <laughs> Says me, the pessimist. <laughs> um, but enthusiasm is something that it, it's kind of a natural result of generosity, discipline, and patience. It's like if we're just willing to sit with those processes long enough, we start to become enthusiastic over life. Because if we realize that we can't get it all right now, and if we realize it's going to take a little bit of discipline to, to move through our blockages, and if we realize we've got to be generous with how we think of ourselves, we've got to be kind, and not only with ourselves, but with everyone else that we interact with, suddenly enthusiasm is born from the heart. Because it's saying, all right, I accept all these things. In fact, I surrender to these facts of life. But you know what? Things are still beautiful. And you know what? Actually, all these processes are what make life worth living. And in knowing that, the ego gets to take a back seat. And we start to dwell from our heart. We start to say, hey, like, even if, you know, like, my dog peed on the floor for the hundredth time and I have to clean it up again, like, I still have a dog. And, you know, even though things look really scary out in the world and so many people are suffering, right now for me, things are okay. And if you're someone who's fallen ill and who's listening, it's like right now in this moment, even if you're ailing, 
somewhere, is there just anywhere in your heart that you feel like everything is okay? Can you root into the groundlessness of it all and just really be present for every moment? And I know this is hard to say, right? It's like controversial to say. It's like right now more than ever, can we all be enthusiastic about every single deep breath we are able to take? Right? And enthusiasm is what gives us the motivation, if you will, to be disciplined. Enthusiasm is what gives us the motivation to be patient, to be generous, to know like, you know, if I help others, if I serve others, then on some level, I am serving the divine force. And what else are we really here to do but to be cooperative in this co-creative experience known as life? The fifth paramita, the fifth gone to the other shore quality, <laughs> is meditation. And in meditation, in a way here, it kind of means like any type of spiritual practice. Um, but just in the text, the context of meditation itself, meditation is what allows us to sift through all of the chatter and be in our equanimous mind. So it's the invitation to surrender all of our attachment to everything we think we need to uphold and just let it all stand still for a moment. And really steep in that standstill. Really breathe into it. Lean into it. And see what it has to teach us. As meditation culminates, meaning as we approach it more and more and we become more consistent with it, our insight increases. And our insight turns into prajna. And prajna, the sixth paramita, is unconditional wisdom. So that means it's not based on circumstances. Rather, unconditional wisdom are the universal truths of life. And the universal truths of life are things that are not debatable, things that cannot be changed by external circumstance. So just off the top of your head, it's like, what is one of the main universal truths of life? One is that we are all born. And the other is that we are all going to die. In knowing this, there's even a deeper motivation to surrender to a higher force or to surrender to the divine force, at least within yourself, if not within every other living thing and inanimate object. See, the more we surrender, the more we accept what is undeniable. And these undeniable truths that we're, we will be born and that we will die are unavoidable and they cannot be changed. If you're born, the truth is one day you will meet that culmination, that sandia peak moment of death. And the more of our life we spend denying that, the more we will cling to every single moment. And the truth is when we're clinging to every single moment, we're actually stuck in the past. We're clinging to a past moment before it, trying to recreate that over and over. It's kind of like cooking soup. You really can't cook the same soup twice, right? It's like even if you follow the same recipe verbatim, it's always going to end up a little bit differently. A little bit different. And so the unconditional wisdom is life is of life is to realize this that you can't create moments. 
all you can do is surrender to the moment at hand and receive the beauty that it contains. Surrender to the circumstances at hand and receive the teachings they have to show you. Surrender to your own suffering and have compassion. Have patience with the process. Try to find your center through it. And if you can't be enthusiastic about anything else, at least be enthusiastic that in this moment you have your life. And there are other, many other uh, universal truths. There's other prajnas, other bits of unconditional wisdom. But these are the two that really are not debatable at all. Birth and death. And so the deeper question is, what do you do in life? Do you fight and think that you are the one that runs the show? Or do you surrender and take a deep bow to every single moment that you are being gifted right now? And in that deep bow, in that wholehearted surrender to a higher power, you have the ability to live life to its fullest. Embrace every moment for what it is, because this is where the oneness is. This is where the sense of connection with all life is. The connection with your higher power resides right here and now. It is nowhere else other than in this moment. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma Podcast. Namaste.
playa. Ajá, 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 como me gusta bailar en la playa. Ajá, 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 como me gusta bailar en la playa. 